Hallelujah. Somebody love him all across this building. Does anybody feel the presence of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody love him. The way maker, the miracle worker, the I am that I am. Hallelujah. We worship you. We magnify you, Jesus. Come on, somebody love him for just a few moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Why don't you give him a shout of praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn around and shake somebody's hand again. Tell them it's good to see you. Hallelujah. Amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school classes hallelujah hallelujah God bless all our kiddos and all the teachers amen if you have your Bibles we're going to turn open to Genesis chapter 1 And verse number one. Now, if you need help finding that, it's going to be right past the table of contents. And uh, probably that nice leather or fake leather cover you got going on. Just flip it open about three pages and you'll be there. Praise God. Somebody learned how to open up their Bible for the first time today. We're going to have revival in 2020. Praise God. Having fun in the house of God today. Genesis 1 and 1. Many of us may be able to quote this scripture today. And uh, I want to do my best to do it justice in Jesus' name. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth now if you're just starting the bread program today I helped you read your first verse of 2020 and I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject the first sermon the first sermon would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands so let's pray all across this house Jesus pray God that your word would do what it does it doesn't return void but it accomplishes that which it was sent out to do and I'm asking God that this word here today would set the tone in our lives and in our hearts Jesus hallelujah we give you praise and glory in Jesus name hallelujah amen somebody clap your hands in Jesus name God bless you. You may be seated. The first sermon. For those that are just starting to read the Word of God, or uh, even if you've read the Word of God for an extended period of time or not, uh, 
many of us have wondered about this thing called the Bible. Who was it written by? Uh, what, what different uh, authors are there? And there's a lot of questions that go into this. And how did it come to be? And how was it compiled? And how was it translated? Many might think and ask the question, what is the best translation? I personally prefer the English translation because that's what I can understand. Um, but there's a lot that you can ask and try to figure out. But when you read the first five books of the Bible, there are questions as to its authorship. Uh, some would say that Genesis was written for by many different authors through their time period. Some say that the first few chapters of Genesis were originally written by Adam. Others would say that the next few were written by Noah and then Abraham and that it perpetuated and continued on. I, I don't know about that necessarily. What I do know uh, is that tradition and orthodoxy would say that it was Moses that wrote the first five books of the Bible, minus a few chapters which record what happened after his death. Now, if he was able to write that down, he'd be the best author to ever, amen, walk the earth. But uh, this, this book was is said to have been written by Moses. That's something that I personally uh, believe. And the reason that I believe that is because there's something that happened to Moses in the book of Exodus that would help people to understand how he got this information. How did Moses get a revelation about the beginning of the world? Something that not even Adam himself saw. If you have your Bibles, turn open to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Verse number 21 begins by 20 and 21. Moses makes a request of God. He said, I want to see your glory. I want to see your face. But it is here that God tells him, you cannot see my face and live, for no man shall see me and live and then he continues on and and they make a plan that there is a place by me and and maybe next time I'll come preach about that place that's by God but but there is a closeness that you can get to Moses and I'm going to put you in a rock and the Bible says and it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cleft of a rock and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. In other words, what God is saying is, I, I won't show you my face, and I won't show you, amen, right here and now my glory. But what I can do for you, Moses, is I can pass by you, and you can see my former glory. Amen. Can I just say it's it's not in my notes, but I might as well say it. In order to see the former glory, Moses, I'm going to have to take my hand off of you. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of people that want revelation, but sometimes revelation only comes when God removes his hand from you. And that's when you can get a revelation. Oh, hallelujah. 
And so he says, I'm going to remove my hand off of you, and you're going to see my, my, my hinder parts, my back parts, the former glories. It is my personal opinion that it was in this moment that Moses got a vision for the first time of what God did in the book of Genesis. It was this moment, much like Paul, who would later say that I was an apostle that was born out of due season, that I was seen of, of, of many of the disciples, but I was the last one, Paul said, to stand before Jesus. Well, how did that? How was that possible? Jesus already died and rose again, uh, but God had his hand on, on, on Paul and had a plan for him, and he had to go and show him all of these things so that he could help build the Gentile church, and so he had to have a personal experience and it is here that Moses is getting an encounter with God and he's seeing for the first time and I can only imagine what is going on in the mortal brain of Moses when he sees this moment the Bible says that when he comes down the mountain that his face shone so bright the people said cover it up you can have encounters with God that are so powerful that people say you got to get out of here amen and 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 so Moses has got this encounter and and I've got to give a little history from Moses' life. See, Moses was born a Hebrew, but he was raised to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in a polytheistic society in Egypt. All they believed in was the river was God, the sun was God, frogs were God, cats were God, dogs were God. I feel like we're living in that kind of world today. They, they got dog parks, but no kid parks, so... There is a deifying of nature, and Romans would say that they turned the creature into the creator. They, they took the creation that was supposed to be enjoyed, and they started deifying it and making it God. And this was what Moses was taught for all of his childhood and most of his life, that there were many different gods, but now they're on the other side of, of, the, of the Red Sea. And Moses is getting this encounter, and he's seeing this image. And I have to just take it back to Genesis 1 and 1, that in the beginning, God and I just have to think in my mind's eye that Moses amen for the first time is getting an absolute revelation he's seen God do miracles he's seen God do wonders he's seen plagues that absolutely wrecked Egypt and their economy to where they ceased to be a society but now for the first time he's standing and he's looking amen from God's point of view on creation and he looks and says there's only one God can I preach to somebody? Uh, Moses saw it. There's only one God. But I got news for you, honey. There's still only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Somebody give him praise. Oh, Moses was raised to believe in many gods, but it was this encounter and this experience that made him recognize and realize there's only one. You might be here today and think to yourself, well, I was raised to believe that there was three. I was raised to believe that there was many gods. Well, in my household, the television was God. and In my household, the NFL and Super Bowl was God. In my household, this star or that star or this thing or that thing. In my house, alcohol was God. Drugs were God. I got news for you, honey. You might have believed that all your life, but there is only one. 
In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Self-existent, self-sufficient. He don't need nobody else. He's got all by himself. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Is there, it's Moses, it's now writing. And you got to understand, when Moses begins to pen Deuteronomy 6 and 4, it's not just coming from some religious mode, but it is coming from this encounter where he is trying to let Israel know, amen, I got a revelation and nothing will steal it from me, nothing will take it away. Hear, O Israel, you got to open up your ears, you got to listen, don't ever get it twisted. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, ain't two, ain't three, it's not a million the Lord our God is one Moses is writing with conviction Moses writes the book of Genesis Moses writes through Adam's encounter with the God that walks in the garden he 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 is writing from Cain and Abel's perspective and he's seeing it that it was one God that spoke with Cain and 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 he goes through and he sees that it is one God that showed forth grace on Noah and it was that one God that shut the door for Noah's ark amen it was that one God that called out to a man by the name of Abram and later changed his name to Abraham and then he had Isaac and then Isaac had Jacob and now Jacob becomes Israel all because he had an encounter with one God and now Moses is leading Israel that believes in one God and he's preaching it and he's telling it there is only one can I tell ARC in 2020 don't ever forget who is God don't ever forget who you serve there's only one he's omnipotent that means he's all powerful he's omniscient that means he's all knowing I want to help somebody God is everywhere at once but not spread thin he's God he's God it is there Moses is writing and he's seeing this glory looking at God's former glory and that God was one way back in creation, in the beginning, God. Isaiah would look and say in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne and his train filled the temple. He was high and lifted up. It was there that Isaiah was seeing God in a present condition. Amen. Sitting on the throne of Israel's life. And it is this Isaiah that would write, Amen. You are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. There was no God formed before me, neither shall there be after me. It was Isaiah that had an encounter with God that made him recognize there's no other God. He's the only one. He's the only one. And it will be John in the book of Revelations who has spent time with Jesus and walked with him for three and a half years. But now John writes in Revelations, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he said when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day that he got a revelation, not of the end times, but he got a revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he saw one throne. Well, I thought there's going to be three. I thought there'd be one for the dad, one for the son, and one for the spirit. I got news for you. When John looked, he saw, he said, I see one throne. And guess what? There's not three sharing it. There's only one that's seated on the throne. 
John would see that there was only one beginning and end, first and last, Alpha, Omega, author, finisher. Amen. There would only be one God that was the way, the truth, the life, the door, the bread. Amen. The water, the wine. He was everything. And John would recognize it in everything that he was seeing. All the beasts and all the angels and all the vials. All of those different things. John was getting an understanding. There's only one God. There's only one God that could come up with all of this. There's only one God that would save humanity like this. John is seeing that there is only one. Isaiah saw there was only one. Moses saw that there was only one. And even today, we have to understand that there is only one. Not one that's divided into three. It's not even physically possible in mathematics. Numerically one. And Jesus was even asked, What is the greatest and first of all commandments? And in Mark 12 and 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Jesus himself is declaring that the premier revelation of the Bible, the premier amen, understanding of God is that there is only one. Can I help somebody here today? You might have a throne in your life, but there are other things inhabiting that throne. But by the time this service is done, there's going to be one God kick everything out of that throne and say, I'm the only one. There might be a lot of kings in your life, but he is the king of kings. There might be a lot of lords in your life, but he's the Lord of lords. Oh, somebody shout and give God praise. Before it's all said and done today, there's going to be one sitting on the throne. There's going to be one. But Jesus continues on and says, Beyond hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He continues the commandment that most of us would divide in two. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And we would stop right there. But Jesus continued on what it would say. Amen. He would continue on. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. I've come to help somebody here today to understand the first sermon of the Bible. That there is one God. But it goes beyond just numerically one. God is one, but he's got to be number one. Not only is he numerically one, but in priority, there is none else beside him. Oh, somebody praise him here this afternoon. God, we worship you. We praise you. God is one, but the question here today is, is he number one for you? I know he's one. You don't have to convince me, Moses, Isaiah, or John. If you've ever had an encounter with God, you know that he's only one because only one God could perform all these miracles. Only one God could redeem all of humanity. Only one God could create this whole universe. Only one. Then the next question, and the logical question has got to come up. Is he number one? 
Or is he number two, three, four, five, six? In the beginning, God. The literal translation for that phrase, we've added a lot of extra English words to try and help our brains to understand uh, some of the context. But the issue with that sometimes uh, is we actually take away from the meaning rather uh, than adding into it. Uh, amen. That, that, that word in the beginning is actually one word. Uh, and it's where we get the word principle. You can read it this way. Principle God. For all you Spanish-speaking folk, your Bible says principio. In el principio. The start, the beginning, or the start, or the principle. It literally translates out this. First, God. You want to know the first sermon in your Bible? It's right there in Genesis 1 and 1. First, before you get to anything else, before you get to second, third, fourth, fifth, before you get to creation, before you get to recreation and restoration and redemption, before you ever get to any of that, first, God, first, God, priority, God, premier, God, principle, God, beginning, God, start. God, principio Dios, you got to start at God. Oh, somebody magnify him all across this house. Come on, somebody magnify him. We've come to praise him before it's all said none. God first, God first, God first. Not just God one, but God first. Not just God in numerics, but God in priority. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's pray all across this house. We worship you, Lord. Come on. In the beginning, first, God. Principle, God. Start with God. In 2020, you got to start with God. In 2020, it's got to be God first. In 2020, the ruler, the master, the Lord, the king, the savior, everything you need, it starts with Jesus. Somebody magnify him. God is letting us know through the mouth of Moses and the writings of Moses. I'm first. I'm not just one, but I'm first. I'm not just one, but I'm number one. I want to tell you before you get to God created the heaven and the earth all by himself. Nothing. He didn't have anything to work with but God himself. The Bible says by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And everything that we see and hear, we know it consists by the word of God. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, amen, to figure out what would happen if you took out the first part of the equation. Before you get plant life, amen, all those people trying to hug trees, amen, you got to get God first. You take God out of the picture, your trees are gone with it. You take God out of the picture, your bald eagles are gone with it. You you take the first part of the equation out and everything's ruined. God's got to be first. Amen. If we ever mess that up, we get everything messed up. That's why in math they teach you something called PEMDAS. 
They teach you how to solve an equation with a lot of factors and a lot of numbers. you got to start somewhere. If you start in the wrong place, you and I will come up with different answers. I just, I just helped somebody figure out why they were so bad at math. It wasn't that you were bad at math. You were bad at getting an order. It wasn't that you had a lower IQ. You didn't know how to put things in proper order. Because the, the, the equation works when you put it in proper order. Your life seems like it's spinning out of control and it's all messed up and last year was a wreck. I'll tell you why. You got the equation all out of order. You put God at number two, number three, number 15. But honey, this year, he's got to be first. Creation happens when he's first. Light comes to being when he's first. Everything comes in the gravitational pull when God's first. The stars shine when God's first. Oh, somebody magnify him. Lift up your hands. God, I want to make you first. God, I want to make you first. Hallelujah. Everything must start with God. If you don't start with God, all things work together for the good to those, to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. Well, Pastor, nothing worked out for good yet. I'll tell you why. you got to get the other part of this in order. To those that love God. To those that put God first. When you put God first, everything starts to come into place. Everything starts to fall into order. When you put God in the number one, he's priority. Amen. We can shout about, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. But the very next part says, you got to love God with everything. you got to love God with everything. It was Abel and Cain that brought offerings to God in Genesis. There's a lot of speculations as to why the Bible says that God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But he had not respect unto Cain and unto Cain's offering. God had a problem with the gift and the giver. But guess what? He had a blessing for the gift and the giver. But what was it? Some would say, well, it was Abel that had a revelation of blood sacrifice. And that's probably right. Abel was the first one to bring a blood sacrifice just like God did for Adam and Eve. He must have got that revelation from his mother and father. He must have read his Bible more than Cain. You know, that might have been the case. But there's this other side of this. It could be that Cain was cursed and his offering wasn't accepted because he tried to bring the fruit of the ground. What ground? The ground that God just got done cursing. And the curse was, you're going to work for this. But how many knows your Bible? You are not saved by works, lest any man should boast. Oh, hallelujah. We haven't got to that part of the Bible yet in our reading, but that's all right. We'll get there eventually. You're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. In other words, it's not your bloodline that saves you. It's his. It's not the sweat of your brow. It was the sweat of his brow in that garden of Gethsemane. It was not... 
It was not what you and I could do, but it was what he did in spite of what we could not do. And there, there's another part of this, though, that as I read the scriptures in depth, it should have popped out of me at the beginning, but it didn't always when I was younger. But one day I read it, and the Bible says that it was Abel that brought of the firstlings of his flock. But it was Cain that just brought some fruit from the field. What was it about Abel? Sure, the blood sacrifice thing's great, theologically speaking. But I just have to believe there was something in the offering. It wasn't that it was more expensive. It wasn't that it was more money. We know that God cares about the widow's might. Amen. But there was something, uh, amen, the heart of Abel that translated to his offering and to his sacrifice. He said, I'm not going to bring God what is left. I'm going to bring God what is right. I'm going to bring God what is first. I'm going to bring God because he's the priority. Because in the beginning, God. Because first, God. Because principle, God. Because at the start, it was God. It was there that Abel brought of the first, but there comes Cain. And Cain says, well, I'm sorry. I've been a little busy working. I just give God what's left over. Can I tell you, amen, God's not even interested in necessarily the best. In the Old Testament, when they had when they had to pay tithes on their fruit, you know what they did? They went out to their trees, and it wasn't wait for the biggest fruit on the tree. Nope, that's not what it said. Amen, what they would do in Jewish history and tradition is when they saw one begin to bud, they'd tie a string on it like they did for the firstborn. As you see in the book of Genesis, they tie a little string and say whether it's this big or that big, that's first and that belongs to God. You know what they were doing? They were setting it in their mind that no matter what, God's going to get the priority. God's going to get the first. It may not be the biggest. It may not be the best. It may not be what I think is right. But God, you're going to get the very first of my life. Can I preach to somebody? You got to stop waiting uh, until you got leftovers uh, to bring to church uh, and to bring into this offering and bring to this altar. I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about your life. Uh, well, I'll wait a few more weeks. I'll wait a more, few more services. I'll wait a few more years. Uh, no, honey, you got to bring it to this altar and say, it's what I got right now. This is my priority. The church is my priority. God is my priority. You're first. Would you stand all across the building? Lift up your hands. Let's magnify him. Come on, it moves the heart of God when somebody says, Your priority, God. You're not just a priority, you are the priority. You're not first out of a thousand, you're first out of one. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, somebody else have your voice. Come on, there's some folks saying, well, I'll just wait a little while. And I'll give God what's left of 2020. I'll wait till the end of the year. No, you've got to say, God, it's the first Sunday of the year, and I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you my best with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength.
I feel the Holy Ghost in this building. First God, first God, first God. Start with God. In 2020, you got to start with God. Hey, listen, there's people got, they do it every year. New Year's resolutions. Last about two weeks, gyms are full. You might think, well, I'm going to eat less. You might think I'm going to eat more. I don't know what your resolution is. I made up my mind. If all I do this year is make sure God never leaves that priority position. I might gain 30 pounds. I don't care. But God, don't ever leave that priority position. If I gain 30 pounds, there'll be more to anoint. So I'll be a better preacher next year. Hallelujah. But there's a lot of people that make God their last resort instead of Him being the first priority. You know what God ends up being? A spare tire, not a steering wheel. He's just a backup in case it doesn't work out. But my Bible says, Jesus speaking, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things are going to be added unto you. Might sound like prosperity preaching, but that's right in line with what Jesus was saying. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you, what's going to happen. He says you got to seek first. Priority that first God. He's the start of everything. And when I put God as the priority in my life, everything else just seems to fall in to place. Do I have anybody that like the preacher preached last week got a testimony that when you put God in the priority that your marriage got better. When you put God in the priority your finances got better. When you put God in the priority everything in your life started working itself out for good. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody that right now it doesn't seem good but I've come to help you put God in the priority and avenge Surely it'll work its way out for God. My Bible says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Revelations would tell the church, you got to repent quickly and go back to your first love. That's a priority love. Your first love and your first works, the very things that made you fall in love with God, it's time to go back to those things. The very things that you did to show God love, it wasn't rules, it wasn't regulations, it was just primary love. It was just priority. This year, I've made it up in my mind. I want God to be first in everything I do. I want God to be first. I want His kingdom to be first. I want His righteousness to be first, which means I might have to move some things out of my house. You might have to move some things out of your life. 
because I want his righteousness first. I want his church to be first. Church ain't an afterthought for me. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The issue is there's too many people got too many things they're desiring. I made it up in my mind. If all I do is make it to the house of God and give God the priority and give his righteousness priority and give his kingdom priority and give his church priority, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to give first. I'm going to live first. I'm going to give God everything first. Lift up your hands. I'm done preaching. Come on, the first sermon of your Bible is try to declare God is one, but God has also got to be number one. That's how things are created in your life. That's how things come together in your life. That's how the void and the darkness disappear and the light shines in the darkness. It's when you put God first and everything starts coming together. It's when you put God first and your marriage comes together. It's when you put God first and everything works itself out. I want to open up this altar. Would you come towards the front? Why don't you grab your neighbor by the hand? This year, let's all make a declaration. Let's come stand around the front. This first Sunday of the year, God, you're not going to be my afterthought. There is going to be no relationship that gets between my relationship with you, Jesus. There is going to be no pursuit that gets between me and Jesus. I'm not going to have anything else take the priority because you adamantly said that you'll have no other gods besides you. There's got to be a divine priority in every scene of God's life. And today is the day that if you've got anything else sitting on the throne of your life, it's time to, time to get that to abdicate. It's time to vacate that throne. It could be that you're sitting on the throne of your life. If you're visiting with us here today, I want to help you here today. God loves you and God's got a plan for you. But the very first step is saying, God, I'm going to take myself off the throne. I'm going to take myself off the throne and I'm going to give you the reins. You can go ahead, God. I don't want you just to take the steering wheel. You can take it all. You can have every bit of my life. I want you to have the priority. Would you lift up your hands as we pray? I want God to have the first of my time, my energy, my money, my life, my heart, every area of my life, God. Only you and Jesus know what areas he does not have the preeminence. Only you and Jesus know what areas he's not number one. But today's the day you can make it up in your mind. You're going to be the very part, the very middle. Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end Come on, would you lift up your voice here today? First God, this year I'm starting with God. I want you to be the priority, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all Come on, this is a sobering moment for us here today. Somebody seek his face. Somebody seek his face. You're number one. You're
you're number one. Maybe you've not been number one for the last little while. But today I'm making a declaration that in 2020, you're first. That's it. The Holy Ghost is moving in this building. This year, Jesus is number one. Next year, Jesus is number one. the same. 
center of your church. Jesus, be the center of your church.